Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to President, Patriot, or Puppet. Radio program, we discuss current issues. Not discussed in the current uh, television shows, including that visual media. And our listeners learn and often participate because the issues discussed could affect them directly. We do not let the politically skewed loud voices of the few political liars drown out our justified demand for life, liberty, and the truth. You will not hear any political correctness, nor will you. we run from any of the issues. We take the challenges head on, because each of us will do all in our power to save our country from its obvious destruction from within. We have, I have as uh, my co-hosts, Mike Alley and Dr. Mark Davis. Give a shout-out to the to the gang, uh, uh, Mike and Mark. Hey, how are you today? How's everything? Oh, Looking good. forward to an excellent show today. Michael Talley, are you here today? Yeah, yeah we're going to have uh, uh, a great uh, interview here uh, with a young lady by the name of Susan Toms, and she's from Pennsylvania, originally from Oilings Springs, Pennsylvania. Ms. Toms is a graduate of Messiah College and author of children's book uh, called That's My Boy. She's always enjoyed singing and sung her first solo when she starred in the leading role of a Christmas play in her fifth grade. Singing and songwriting were talents which ran her family. She herself has written numerous songs, the most recent being I'm Free. And When You Look at Me, formerly a teacher, she's now devoting her time to singing, writing, and taking care of her boy, William, who is now 18 and a senior in high school. That's a wonderful background, Miss Toms, and I love listening to I'm Free, that beautiful song of yours. You're a great singer. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me today. I appreciate your kind words. We have... Well, we listened uh, to your song you sent through, and it sounds really good. Thank you. What do you have in, uh, you, you might say, on the plate or on the skillet for people out there? Well, what I'm doing right now is I am currently working with uh, Attorney Lloyd Remick of Bain Management to try to um, seek some country artists uh, for the songs, uh, some well-known male country artists um, who would be uh, good for these numbers uh, to help get these songs out to the public. Uh, both songs have a message. Uh, I'm free being you know, a celebration of our freedom and some of our nation's patriots. Uh, and then uh, when you look at me, um, it honors our nation's homeless veterans. Uh, so I really want to get these songs out to the public uh, to try to get their, their message out. Is it possible that you could do a, a YouTube or something like that? Yeah, so we are working on some videos right now, and uh, hopefully we can uh, have them out there uh, very soon on YouTube so the public can view them. Yeah. Will you have a, a uh, any kind of communication if there are some listeners out there that would uh, uh, want to help you in moving this forward? 
Yes, I do. Uh, they can feel free to reach me at my email at Susan Toms, S-U-S-A-N-T-O-M-S 71 at yahoo.com. I can also be reached uh, through Zane Management, uh, located in Philadelphia. Zane, Z-A-N-E? Yes, that's correct, Z-A-N-E Management. Do they have a phone number? Um, you know, they do. Um, if if uh, listeners just uh, Google um, ZaneManagement.com, uh, Zane uh, they can find all the contact information on the website. Okay. Uh, they don't have your songs put up yet, do they? No. No, currently they are not on the Internet. As I mentioned, we are working on some videos, and hopefully we will have those ready very soon. Uh, and then... Uh, uh, People will be able to view the videos online. Well, I've got to personally uh, give you an attaboy for that that beautiful song, and I tell you, oh, we thank you, Joy. And it, uh, very- I, I passed it to both uh, of my co-hosts, and they also enjoyed it. It's a, it's really a moving song, and I felt like you were a a true patriot, and the reason for me inviting you on the show. So. Again, Thank you so much. Out to you, and, and I wish you well, and hope that you have some success in getting those songs out because I know the people are going to love them. You, oh, you, thank you. I really appreciate your kind words. Um, uh, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll uh, uh, bid you adieu for this one. Yeah. Uh, and I hope to have you back when you get those things out there and we can help spread the word, okay? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me today. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Susan. Bye-bye. Today's topic is America, is America burning, are just those surfacing, taking advantage of any national issue who want America to burn? The reality is that the United States, the racial divide is in a deep state of decline, and it is getting harder to deny the fact that each passing day under Obama, who ran on being a uniter, united divider, has totally destroyed this relationship. Now, mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and financially, we are a train wreck when it comes to the color of one's skin, many that are patriotic, no matter what their skin color, attempt to put a happy face on our growing problems. But the truly patriotic thing to do is to admit just how bad things have gotten under Obama so that we can start finding solutions. This did not create an issue that Al Sharpton could make any money on on Monday, October the 6th in 2014, the U.S. Supreme Court let stand appeals court ruling permitting same-sex marriages in five states, Indiana, Oklahoma, Utah, Virginia, and Wisconsin. Such decisions by the Supreme Court are done without explanation, as was the decision, and rightfully so, after all, a grand jury is just that, the last stop for truth and justice that all Americans have stood 
by for decades. Al Sharpton didn't show up for that decision. However, Al Sharpton saw money hanging all over this one, the grand jury responsible for deciding whether Ferguson, Missouri, police officer Darren Wilson should be indicted for shooting death of Michael Brown, a black man, was returned its answer of no. Obama and Eric Holder never let a good black situation go to waste either. Eric Holder begins his new operation in Ferguson, you know, the Fast and Furious number 2, which is Rush to Judgment. The self-admitted activist attorney general has arrived in Ferguson to kick off his next uh, controversial program. His plan is to bend the legal system in any way necessary to secure a conviction for the police officer who shot and killed a black man, Mike Brown. Facts in the case will simply be considered collateral damage to the activist top cop. No details about the incident that led to Mr. Brown's death are plain to the grand jury. Some of the witnesses' descriptions are refuted by autopsy results and contradict the uncivil rights leaders, Sharpton's versions of the truth. Mr. Holder has determined the cop who shot the unarmed giant is already guilty. He disregards the grand jury, seizing on opportunity to use the tragedy to further political agendas and line the pockets of people like MSNBC bobblehead Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and others. The Chief uh, activist, uh, chief top cop, has rolled into the town, uh, ready to pour gasoline on an already tense situation. Admitting recently that he was an activist, the fast and furious holder has chosen Ferguson as a flashpoint that he can exploit for political gain by further dividing people by race, giving him a platform to shout about income inequality, insisting on affirmative action on police forces, and an excuse to bring his fight for gun control out in, out of the closet, which he should be in prison for, by the way, if you recall Fast and Furious. People like Holder only make situations worse. They rarely solve problems. And when the truth gets in the way of their political plans... It is always thrown out the window, run over by a truck and buried in a landfill somewhere. Holder's DOJ is one of the most corrupt and incompetent in our country's history, and their hypocrisy is showing. Why aren't they going off to places like Chicago every weekend to get to the bottom of huge numbers of murders taking place there? Oh, sorry, I forgot. Those are... Black-on-black murders, which I guess are all right in their eyes. Nation's top cop. What in the world does he have on his mind? He has already thrown one of his own under the bus without knowing all the facts, simply the political reasons. That is at very least shameful. Even the series, Dumbocrat, 
governors of vigorous prosecution before the uh, completion of the investigation into the Ferguson shooting. Rudy Giuliani explained that 93% of black murder victims are killed by other blacks. Where is Al Sharpton or Jesse Jackson with this outrage? Giuliani faced major backlash by critics from his comments during the Meet the Press segment on anticipated grand jury decision on whether to indict Officer Darren Wilson in the fatal shooting of the black Michael Brown in Missouri. Giuliani's comment sparked heated exchange with Georgetown professor and MSNBC contributor Michael Eric Dyson for policing and crime in black com- communities. After noting how he diversified the New York police force, Giuliani said, it was very disappointing that we are not discussing the fact that 93% of blacks are killed other blacks. The implication was that the so-called black-on-black crime was far more common than white-on-black crime, so the attention should be paid to the former. It quickly became personal. Gianni and Dyson talked over each other two-minute banter. Eventually, Gianni uttered the line that went viral almost immediately. White police officers wouldn't be there if you weren't killing each other. And Dyson fired back offensive mechanism white supremacy at work in your mind, sir. That comment also was picked up widely by Dyson's critics. Omi to press Giuliani was asked, how do you make a police force that looks like the community they serve? Giuliani responded by citing a statistic, 2010 Bureau of Justice Statistics Report, which did indeed conclude that 93% of black homicide victims from 1980 to 2008 were killed by black offenders. The statement implied that racial violence in black communities is uniquely bad. Giuliani later repeated this on Fox News interview, appearing on August 17th edition of NBC's Meet the Press, the Wall Street Journals, Jerry, I uh, see Jason Riley, discussed the shooting death of Michael Brown in Ferguson by saying, "Let's not pretend that our morgues and cemeteries are full of young black men because white cops are shooting them. The reality is that it's because other black people are shooting them." Riley went on to say that we need to talk about black criminality because blacks make up 50% of the homicide victims in this country, and they are 10% of the population, and 90% of those victims are killed by other black people. We've got so much to talk about. So come in, Michael Talley. Start me off. Well, where do you start? This comment about the police force reflecting the tone of the neighborhood, I guess that would mean that 93% of all the blacks on the police force would be criminals. Yeah. They expose yeah. themselves by their very words. You got the people saying that, well, the uh, guy that was killed in New York was saying, I can't breathe. Well, I got to tell you, if you're being choked, you can't say, I can't breathe. 
<laughs> it would not be possible to understand what he was trying to say. More nonsense. So, Guy was killed because he resisted the police. It's like getting stopped for a traffic ticket. That's a good time to be nice to anybody. Yeah. And he got Sharpton, who was on Obama's team. Who elected Sharpton? All of a sudden, he's on Obama's team, the golfer-in-chief about Ferguson. 83 times in the White House? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a joke. He's there as much as the Muslim Brotherhood almost. Yeah. And that's who uh, gave him the suggestion for the new black replacement. Of course, they're all black. The replacement for this phony attorney general, the white-hating attorney general. You got people in Ferguson, uh, the Missouri State Senator, Maria Chappelle Nadal, obviously a Democrat. Oh, this is our race war. You know, these people are just looking for an excuse. Last night in Philadelphia, we got a Christmas tree lighting, and the protesters got to crash that. You got parents there with little kids watching the tree, but they got to be big. Not big enough to get a job, but big enough to try to destroy, a, you know, something a little kid wants to see. Then the blacks come out saying, well, Ferguson protesters, uh, shut, don't do any shopping on Black Friday unless the businesses are, are black-owned. They're, drive, they're destroying their own town. They're driving businesses out. They destroyed businesses. You have some of the protesters whose car was stolen and something was set on fire. I bet the first thing they did after they got done protesting the police was call the police and say, look what happened to me. This is terrible. How can you let that happen? Sharpens using Michael Brown. Excuse me. It's the new Tawana Brawley. You got Jackson with a kid in jail. You got Sharpton, who hasn't paid his taxes, yet they're the ones that the blacks are listening to. And it's kind of a shame because the offer in chief has caused more racial problems than we've ever had. I'm going to live through the 60s. I saw what it was like then. As you said before, David, this guy was supposed to bring everybody together. He's the greatest divider we've ever had. He doesn't want to be president. He wants to be king. He wants to tell people what to do. He wants to write laws allowing 5 million illegal immigrants in. And we're supposed to feel guilt for some of the blacks being in slavery? Don't feel it. My grandparents didn't come over in 1910, and we never were involved in slavery. I don't care. I didn't do it. People I know didn't do it. You got a problem? Go get a job. These protesters, where do they find the time to do this? All hours of the day, you know, normal people, the people that they're stopping on the freeways, they're the ones that are providing the money that allows these people to do what they do. And then under the radar, you got uh, this idiot-in-chief releasing more people from Gitmo. Now, he's going to set these people free. They leave, and all they do is go out and start attacking the United States and Israel again. But he's wanting yeah. That's That's what they want. You know, this guy is just out to destroy the country, and some of the Democrats are starting to, to feel it. But I don't know if they're starting to feel it or they're worried because a lot of their buddies didn't get reelected. You got idiots like Chris Rock coming out saying that all white people are responsible for the father's racism. I got to tell you, my father wasn't a racist. He just worked for a living. That's what most people do. Doctor, what do you think? Well, 
there's a lot a lot here to talk about Chicago, especially the average uh, murder rate in Chicago specifically is about forty to forty five people a month in for example, in two thousand and twelve, five hundred plus people died there, so there's a lot of murders, most of those are black on black and black black murders uh, are prevalent through all the major cities where the endemic population is Afro-American or black American. So we have a real problem there. I mean, if you look at the statistics here in Baltimore, Detroit, uh, Camden, New Jersey, small city, Chicago, and so forth, we see that the violence is unabated. It continues, and it's and, and it's a, almost aided by the city councils, but most of those are black people. They don't like the police here in Baltimore, for example. They're having an investigation by Eric Holder's office for police brutality. Can you imagine that? All the brutality these people are causing, and they're investigating the police. So the police move back to keep their hands off like they did in Ferguson the first few days when the writings were there. The looters just stood stood and did what they wanted, and the police were nowhere to be found, and they brought in the National Guard later. So about 40 to 45 murders uh, a month in Chicago, and uh, no one addresses that. They, they want to make a cause celeb of the Michael Brown case or the George Zimmerman case, those kind of things, because it brings them not only prestige, it brings them money in different ways, especially the race hustles. We know we know the list of race hustles, only Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, President Obama, the biggest one of all, and the, the master on the female side, uh, uh, Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, God, uh, yeah. I'm writing an article on her, uh, not only on her, but a number of what's going on post uh, the post-racial divide, the racial politics, uh, which should come out today. I have to name it. But basically, we're seeing a degradation of the American scene by a subsegment of the population who uh, gets away with a lot. And, and you, ha- you ask the question, which answers itself, where do they get the time and the money? They get the money through entitlements, and yet they're, yet they're saying they don't have any money, that they're kept back, but that money is poured on them. The, the debt now in America is $18, $18 trillion. You have to repeat that to get your mind around it. Where did all that money go? It didn't go for infrastructure, I could tell you that. It goes to pay these people money. Okay, on the average family here is getting fifty to $60,000 a year, and entitlements. Now they get cars, even and phones and houses, and the mortgages are abated or reduced at the homes they're living in, and they live better than a lot of the people that I see here locally. They drive up in BMWs and Mercedes, and they present their medical assistance cards to their doctors. Well, I've talked to several in the last few days. So the the, the scene is the, they they these race hustlers and the media, the left wing media, have created a myth about the black culture. So we we play into that and we keep feeding them more and more uh, money. But I think there's going to be a turnaround come January when we take over the Senate and the House. Uh, the enhancement in the House goes into effect. So a lot to talk about today. Now, these no people in the, in the Senate better have Callum. some guts and do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fox News' Martha McCallum had something to say about what you just touched on there. And this is during the August 18th segment... The appropriateness of President Obama sending the condolences, issuing statement about the death of Michael Brown. Co-host Martha Allen asked, "What about the children who are being killed in the streets in Chicago? What about black-on-black violence? Where is Al Sharpton on that? Where is the president on that? They got to come out on these on these flag issues to." Uh, 
bring more violence and to incite riots. I think Al Sharpton ought to be arrested, just like the the stepfather of, of yeah. Brown, who was out there, burned the, yeah. the bit yeah, down, right. remember? Right. Yeah, exactly. Amazing. Yeah. Inciting yeah. riots. I, I talked to a, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I can't hear you when your voice stops. A black Marine I discussed, I was playing Keno one night, and a black Marine, 12 years in, I had just retired from the Marines, told me these are self-appointed people, Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, Louis Farrakhan, and the long list of people for black. No one appointed them for what they do, but they, they assume that the black population will follow them like puppies or uh, remember the old uh, Pied Piper. And that that's, that's just not the way it is in a lot of the a lot of the communities. The blacks are getting upset at Obama. There's a story that Obama went to Detroit and he drove through it. He never stopped his wave to the people or anything on the way to a fundraiser. And the blacks were interviewed later and they, they made mention of that, that the money is poured down here and we never see it. We still stay poor. We still uh, stay without. Uh, and I, there's some uh, believability in what, what, what thing. Obama does what's good for Obama, not what's good for America or for other people. Yeah, he doesn't care about the blacks no more than he cares about the whites. No, not at all. The only good thing about it is uh, he gave a little speech in Las Vegas, and he yeah. was booed there. Worst president yeah. ever. Impeach Obama. No amnesty. Yeah. I'll make Jimmy Carter happy. Yeah. But he's you the know, only I, one that we've... Yeah, I, I can't believe that that we don't have more of the Chicago awareness because it's it's not a mixed race thing. It's all black on black over yeah. there. They're they're not bringing that to anybody's attention, and I like what each one of you got to say about that. But it's the truth, and you know the it, Rush Limbaugh, you know, pointed it out on his program. You know, don't pay attention to the violence and deaths in Chicago because it's mixed race and and. Uh, the Brown shooting in Ferguson made to you know, order for the encouragement, you know, of, of black violence on on the streets. It, uh, is it okay for the black people to come and trash out the uh, stores and all of the things are around there? Now, they they simply are going from neighborhood to neighborhood, doing what they would be doing anyway. Now they they figure they have a pass to do it. And they do. You know, black-on-white crime, you never hear about. Black-on-black crime, you never hear about it. White-on-black, that's what these race baiters are looking for, all of them. Excellent point. Yes, an excellent point. You know what I this was disgusting when the St. Louis Rams came onto the field? Oh, God. Five Afro, Afro-American uh, players put their hands up. We saw that in Congress as well. I don't know if you saw the picture. Of a number of Congress people putting their hands up, Amazing. men and women. And this is a disgusting display of stupidity of people we elect into these high offices who should not be there. They should do nothing more than maybe be dog catchers. No offense to dogs, but they should not be there. And 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 a lot of this is driven by the legal community because the legal community makes that like every time something happens, violent lawyers come into play in these areas. People don't realize how much interplay. Lawyers get with immigration. Immigration lawyers are flooded with cases right now. Which way to go? And 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 these are gifts from the Obama administration. Obamacare specifically was written end to end by lawyers, and and the lawyers are making out like bandits. You know how many lawyers there are in this country? 1.1 million lawyers for a population of 317 million. You know how many in Japan for a population of approximately 130 million? 30,000. 
the oh, Flutterwood Warriors, the Flutterwood regulations, the were being killed, were being smothered, uh, and it's not right. It's just not. I wrote a book about it, Demons of Democracy. These people just need to back off. We need to close law schools. Well, we need yeah. to close Harvard. I know that. No, absolutely. You're absolutely correct. Very good point. Harvard's a total waste. Yeah. yeah. The Ivies have destroyed America. On and on and on. They produce so many people, left-wing people, it just goes beyond. And now they have this Mark Zuckerberg who runs this Facebook thing who's a strong supporter of Obama and puts out hundreds of millions of dollars for projects that Obama wants uh, out there. And he gets tax. He had a tax rebate over a billion dollars. I, I, don't, I don't think I've seen a tax rebate in 20 years on my meager salary. You know, we got money. a caller from uh, area code 586. 586, uh, come in. Yeah, this is uh, Frank Shrasky from I'm from the Detroit area. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hello, Frank. Morning, Frank. Uh, yeah, how you doing? Uh, have you been listening time, to our little debate? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, one thing that uh, shows up is that uh, about the, like guys like Sharpton who are talking about, uh, you know, the, the race-baiting thing, I noticed that there's an element that's missing, and that element is the very thing that uh, Martin Luther King spoke about. And he's, he said that, uh, he talked about two things. He didn't want people to be judged by the, the color of their skin, but by, what, what were the words? Content of their character. Right. And that, those words, content of character, is something that guys like Sharpton never, ever bring up. And that, that, and when you talk about character there, now you're talking about personal responsibility, not the responsibility of others like the police or the government, but the individual responsibility of the citizen itself. Yeah, you're right. And I it's think that that's fact, an issue you know, that needs to be brought up. Yeah, if we would uh, pay a little more attention to Dr. King, what was his major, major emphasis? And it was nonviolence. You see? And these trigger-happy, money-making race baiters out there are purging the actual events and bringing on the violence. We talked about, as a matter of fact, earlier in the show, that Sharpton ought to be arrested for inciting riots. I mean, just like the, the uh, stepfather of, uh, of Brown over there in Ferguson. They won't do it. Frank, what do you see as far as the Detroit goes now? I used to make sales calls out there to the steel industry and automotive industry, and it was bustling at the time. But I think well, that's all I, gone away. Okay, I, I, I was born and raised in Detroit, and I still I live basically in a suburb. My dad basically walked to Detroit from Pennsylvania from the coal mines because this is where the jobs were. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you today this is not where the jobs are. Uh, there is still an automotive industry. Yes, there are jobs. But I used to live in Detroit. And um, I remember a time, and my kids don't even want to, nobody wants to believe me, that we used to go to church, you know, in a hot time in the summertime, and we'd just lock the screen door. <laughs> nobody wants yeah. to believe that, but, it, but it's true. And so much has changed. And I understand society has changed, but the content of people, of character of all people have basically changed. And uh, that's, my opinion, I think that's just part of the end times that we live in. Uh, but shame. it's it's emphasized uh, quite a bit with the uh, African American community. I've 
I've been down in Detroit. I remember when he was hustling and bustling, a beautiful town to go in. I used to go down with my mother, go down, pay the taxes, and go to Hudson's and things like that. You go down there now, and uh, you don't want to be down in certain areas, and you don't want to be down there at night uh, alone, uh, definitely for sure. Um, the neighborhoods that used to be, uh, the Polish neighborhoods around uh, around St. Heisen's Church down there, I saw a picture of that. It looks like It looks like something out of uh, Hiroshima, where you see one building standing and then the rest of it is all totally uh, demolished. That's how bad it looks down there. And, and they don't bring my... that up. Captains don't bring that up, by the way. Chicago ought to be right on the top of their talking list, and, and they never say a word about that. I think Detroit's been democratically run for a long, long time, too. Oh, yes. Yes, How's it definitely. working out have, for you, guys? Yeah. I have witnessed, uh, I remember the original mayors of Detroit from the time that I was a kid. And I remember, the, you know, the first, uh, you know, black mayor of Detroit. And I thought, I really thought, I was a young guy and I was, you know, you know yeah, I think because there's more black people in Detroit that we should have a black mayor, et cetera. And I was really for that. But I, I did, you know, I go by uh, what are the fruits, you know, of, you know, you you sow something, and then you look to see what it is that you have sown. How does it grow up? Well, I've seen how it's grown up. It's grown up to to basically total degradation. Now the city of Detroit is basically in a bankrupt situation. And uh, it's just, it's it's horrible. It's really sad to see, because I remember the good days when Detroit was a hustling, bustling city. That was a busy place for a long time. Yes. A lot of good jobs. Very much so. It was the auto uh, king, wasn't it? Auto industry king? Yes, it, yes, it is. King. And you know what? It still is the auto industry king, but everything it kind of went global. When we went global, which is about, you know, when you think about about 20 years ago, I remember when the Japanese first came in and, and they were, you were trying to sell cars there. Their, their, their cars were basically uh, schlock, okay? And... Uh, it took them about, I don't know, 15, 20 years to be able to learn to make great cars. Then, all of a sudden, now you've got the uh, uh, the Koreans coming in. It only took them 10 years to learn how to make great cars. Guess how long it's going to take the Chinese to make great cars? Probably about five, because we basically trained them how to do it. Well, we hurt the steel industry back in the 80s when the labor unions were going to strike, and it was supposed to be a real big strike. All the steel plants were going to be shut down. Japan came over and said, yeah, we'll sell you a steel, but we need a year contract. Labor unions never struck, but yet they lost all that business anyway. Yeah. They shot themselves in the foot yeah. because of their greed, and now they're paying for it. Yes. The, the caller mentioned uh, Martin Luther King. I don't know if he's read the letter from Birmingham Jail, April uh, 1963. discusses racism, nonviolence, what King would do and would not do in a, a situation similar to Ferguson. It's worth reading. It's not long. And it shows the intuitive capacity of Martin Luther King and where his mind was at. He had no books or references to write this uh, letter from Birmingham jail. But the brilliance of it addresses everything uh, antithetical to the Sharptons and the Farrakhans and those people. And I, it, it, I wish we could read it on there. We just don't have time. But it, it, it portent what was coming down the road. Uh, Detroit was a great city. Now it's just in ruins. It's horrible. No, I cannot believe anyone, I don't care what the color of their skin, could listen 
to somebody like Frankton and not be absolutely violently disturbed and want to remove that guy from the planet. I mean, I'm so disgusted that people, and and look behind him, okay, it's almost 101% black. And why is that? Can you describe to me one reason why anyone who calls themselves American would want to have that guy as their spokesperson? It's incredible. One reason, because there is a subgroup of Americans, both black and white, who are uneducated to the reality of what's going on. They may have a degree here and there, but they really don't know what the intricacies are of life around them. And Farrakhan uh, is a smooth-talking individual, like the old snake oil salesman of the early 1900s, late 1800s, and he gets into their minds, as as Sharpton does in the rest of these people. There's sub-segments that believe these people. I think Sharpton's on his way out. He looks very sickly to me. And I, like I bet the door's been open to hell. He's <laughs> waiting for Satan to grab him any time now. And uh, the rest of them are on the way down. Jesse Jackson with the shakedowns of industry. You all remember that. There was a book written about it. Uh, he developed a shakedown to, to to major heights. Farrakhan, you know, they used to call him the, the uh, flamingo dance with a drum player. Uh, he's another guy who's going to go down. He had prostate cancer, I believe. So they're all going to go out into a building. But the thing is, the people that take these people's places, they'll echo the same message as long as the money is there to extract from whatever violent situation is out there. You know, Jesse Jackson was trying to raise money around Michael Brown. He was booed out out of the room, literally. So, you know, the rest. I wonder why Oprah's not saying... Yeah, Louis Farrakhan and Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton's got to die off before we can have racial no, 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 no. But what, uh, this article I'm writing to the Oprah said in Nove- November of 2013 to a British journalist that all the older white people have to die for racism to go away. And I, my reverse in the article is, no, no, all the racists have to go away. The ones that expel racism are usually the black people themselves. Those are the ones that need to go away and stop impressing on the minds of the younger black people that we hate them. I don't know where all this hate comes from, but if, that, if that's the case, it's coming from the groups like this, they need to go away. Yeah, it's a few people at the top that cause the problems. You bump into a, a black person or that you know them, there's nothing wrong with them. They want the same thing we want. you got the idiots at the top of the food chain that are getting paid for it that just want to make money by exploiting the situation. That's why the golfer in chief is so set on dividing the races. Yeah. Class warfare, race warfare. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know we're we're fortunate uh, to have somebody from Chicago here, but we've talked about that so brazenly that that it, it the facts are out there. Why aren't those people we're talking about the race baiters jumping on and saying, "Look, we have to correct this black on black crime." It, you know, it's within our own that our problems are being instigated, not the one or two things that they pick out, cherry-pick to put out on national television, that the white cop that's killing all the black people. I I read the, the opening statement from the gentleman who said the cemeteries are not getting full of the blacks because of white cops. It's because of other blacks killing them. Now, that's the the truth. Now, why can't the truth prevail? 
you know, we're all we were talking about integrity, Frank, and and you certainly brought that up. Where's the integrity there? No money in it. Well, you know what they're trying to do? They like they did with Michael Brown as the example. They mythicized him. They turned him into something he was not. They turned the situation in reverse, that he wasn't a thug, a crook, a criminal, someone who broke into a store, stole a bunch of cigarellos, beat up the uh, the manager of this store. They made it a white cop against a black kid who was supposedly unarmed. But if you have a 300-pound kid, 6-foot-plus, charging you and not stopping with a lawful order, what do you do? You blame it on the one thing you do is blame the parents. He had horrible parenting. Because he has no respect for the law, no respect for himself, no respect for uh, uh, any, any kind of lawful orders that were given. He doesn't uh, expect the government uh, to, hopefully, the government to support him for the rest of the lives. But the parents are saying, "Yeah, yeah, the government will take care of you." So, so th- this is the kind of thing that, in the milieu that these people live in, uh, an entitlement mentality, and uh, anything goes uh, for them. All the information that I see on the news, I might add this, uh, pay attention to the pictures because that, that, that is a major tell, in my opinion. For example, if you look at Michael Brown, most of the pictures are not of him being this really big, but of being younger. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with Trayvon Martin. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. In Detroit, we had, uh, there was a gentleman where two, two white cops went down. They went to prison, uh, Malice Green. And I remember that really wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember his picture being put on uh, the wall here somewhere in, in the Detroit area. If you looked at that picture, and I tell you, it could have been a black Jesus as far as I was concerned, because it was almost, it was almost painted in the, same, in the same light. The fact that the man was a drug addict was irrelevant, you know, that, and, and, uh, and, this isn't, and this is not any disrespect to the black community, but this is how they are being portrayed. You know, and they are, and in many cases, my opinion, they are being used by those who are higher ups, who have the money, who take advantage of the situation in order to keep themselves in power. Right. And that's how I see it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's there's that group that that we that we share, Frank, that sits there and talks about this same incident and says, "Well, look, the guy." Uh, was uh, it's proof that he was murdered and and not in self defense because he was shot in the top of the head. I said, well, have you ever watched a football game? You've seen the three hundred pounders come at you to tackle you. They're driving their head forward. The autopsy report proves exactly what took place. He's not standing there with his hands up. He's charging with three hundred plus pounds at six foot plus inches toward a guy, and he's about to annihilate him. You know, there's the witnesses, five blacks, that concur exactly what the police officer had to say. And the blood stream coming back toward him, all of those things. But they sweep all of that under the rug, just like I was speaking at the very beginning about uh, Holder. Facts are immaterial. That's something you cover up and you throw under the bus and 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 move ahead with your political agenda. You would be surprised at how many people out there are picking up that kind of rhetoric. And you, it's it's ridiculous to have to talk with them. I get sick at my stomach at some some of the things that they say, but it's incredible. You talk about facts, and they will come up with the the most asinine answers. It's incredible. And then they will talk over 
you, you will say something with uh, commonplace and good common sense, and they'll just go and talk over it and say something different. It's incredible. I, I have read your I have read your answers, David. On the, I, I, and I I felt uh, I felt kind of sorry for you because you were basically getting beat up. I put my two cents in there, if you recall, and I got I got beat up as well. And I have and I have written with and against those people before on other on uh, other threads. But the mo is the same. They are anti anything and everything, and that is how they handle and spin events, anything to make uh, conservative thought look bad or, or appear bad. And it doesn't matter who or what it is. No, they destroy a person if they're black and they come out and they talk conservative. They do everything they can to put that person down. Another thing with Michael Brown, people don't realize, you don't just shoot a person once and they fall down. A boy that big, you got to shoot him a bunch of times or hit some vital organs before you're putting him out of commission. So I don't want to hear these complaints. Well, why did he shoot him so much? Because he was going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Why was he shooting him inside his own car? Because the big yeah. black guy was cramming himself through the window trying to kill him and get his and get the man's yeah. gun. If he'd have got the man's gun, he would have shot the cop. Absolutely. You know, it's one th- it's one thing shooting at a range. It's another thing shooting uh, under in the heat of the battle, so to speak. With somebody, you know, tra- you know, charging you, but I have to admit, I don't think, I don't think that the officer was really intending to kill him at first because he was too big of a guy. Because when you're going to shoot somebody, you're going to shoot at the biggest part of the target, the center of the body, and that's not where those first shots went. He tried to basically slow him down. I don't know if that really was his uh, intent, but uh, I know from, you know, shooting guns and shooting at ranges and and what the targets are. That that's generally what they you know what they do. So I'm really kind of surprised that the first shots didn't go, uh, in, you know, into the the center area of the body. But I agree with you that when a guy is, starts running and starts coming in like a like a red dog, uh, you know, trying to get to the uh, quarterback, you know, his head is down and he's coming full steam ahead. So if you take a shot and if you and if you take a shot even at the center of the body, the tendency of the gun is to recoil upward. It's not surprising that it might go higher. That happens to me when I go to you. I must, I must aim lower in order to get the center because simply because of the recoil. Yeah, it takes exactly. up a little bit. Uh, uh, guns are, you know, you know it, it, it's so amazing. If, if some cop pulls you over, and it doesn't matter what it is that he's doing it for, if he says you're under arrest and you start flailing your arms around, doing whatever, he has a right to use whatever force that will overpower the force that you intend to use. And no one, absolutely no one, brings that to anybody's attention. The cop was at fault. It, it, the, 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 the mother uh, will come out and say, you know, I shouldn't have to worry about my son leaving and someone shooting him. In other words, what does that mean? Okay, let him rob and steal and kill and just leave him to hell alone? Excuse me. It's just it's, it's absurd. And going back to integrity, come on, where's the integrity? You're not being trained around the dinner table. Most of the dinner tables in the black family don't exist. Every, most of the population is 
is born and raised in a single-parent family. As a matter of fact, uh, I interviewed a a person who's uh, always uh, brought up the uh, suggestion and did a lot of research on the actual fact that uh, of how many parents, both of them, were in jail, and that the the kid was just being in, in a in a uh, uh, an adoption home or something, uh, being raised, and and of course the peer pressure is is how he was being raised, you know, whatever was going on. So everything that's taking place, without a doubt, could be cured in their own society were they to look at the problems and realize the simple solutions. It's incredible. It's easy to blame Whitey, and that's exactly what they do here in in Maryland. It's the white society that's evil, the black society is good. 30% of the population in Maryland of less than 6 million people are are Afro-American. They get the majority of the entitlements. They get the best schools. They get almost $20,000 per student per year in the Baltimore City schools, yet kids could barely get through uh, the ninth and 10th grades. They have a huge dropout rate. It's not because of white people that they can't make it. It's because of themselves, weak family structures. And as you said, um, uh, this line of rationale goes through the, out the vein of the country. It's just a very bad thing what's, what's happening. And the call is right. You know, you, you have to look and, uh, and examine what's going on around them, and they're not... As a matter of fact, I don't want to paint a, a uh, you know an evil picture here of all blacks because I've got some of my closest friends who absolutely wonderful family members. They're absolutely perfect people. They have raised their children to be honorable and respectful. There's their pants are not below their ass. They're up in involved in society and building wonderful lives and that those family members are standing by them and behind them and it's it can be done there are people out there who do not have skin color they have principle morals character uh values and they learn it around the dinner table you know it's it's incredible but it's the truth we have to speak the, the truth blacks will counter that david by saying that you don't know what it's like growing up black because you're not black. And I've heard that so many times, especially from, I used to employ hundreds of them in our nursing homes, and that's what they'll tell you. You don't understand black theology, black community values, and things like that. They're a whole set different than ours, and we've all heard Reverend Wright as he screeched you know, about his, uh, the rights of black people. Are there separate rights for black people and white people? I don't think so. But I think Obama is doing that by being divisive as he is. I got to tell you, I don't care what their problems are. They don't ask me what our problems are. Why should we care? Go out, get a job, work. Yeah. There are so many, like David says, single parent families. Yeah. And you need a, a, a man and a woman as parents. You can't have you know two girls or two guys raising a kid. It's never going to work, no matter how much the Obama wants to do it. And what we're losing sight of is what's going on with ISIS. Dropped off the headlines. ISIS is in Ferguson trying to recruit young blacks, just like a lot of these white girls went over there. And I have no idea why. But it's, it must be an idealistic mentality with no no real contact in the real world. It's amazing. But we got to go back and realize what else is going on. 
illegal immigration that's going on, the open southern border, ISIS, the IRS out of control, the EPA out of control, trying to shut down coal plants, nuclear plants. There are some serious issues, and this guy's worried about a legal killing of a black guy. Exactly. Being sharp and driven, he's got to get a grip, and he never will. He's never going to come to center. Even Clinton did that. Can't have your cake and expect somebody to constantly furnish it to you. And those are just the basics, just the very basics. All you have to do is take a look around and say, listen, what in the world is one of the greatest feelings? Well, to work for something and be successful at it. Why would you think that robbing people of that opportunity would be helpful to them? They, you only create slaves when you do that. When you create free programs, you remove that desire to succeed, and you destroy what they could be appreciating, which is that successful feeling. That does not mean building a, 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 a universe, a, a giant empire. That means to succeed. It, if you had a goal of buying a new car and you finally reached that so you knew that you could make payments of a car, that's being successful. When you point yourself in a direction and you make every move count, so that you can get to your success that you are wanting, then that is a wonderful feeling. To rob that of people is absolutely keeping them in serfdom. We had a war that was supposed to be to re, to remove us from the royals uh, ro- uh, overbearing on us and giving us the, the rules of what we're going to do with our everyday life. Look at what's happening right today. Millions of regulations are coming out constantly to regulate our every single step and breathe in motion. It's incredible. We are turning this country. We, because we're sitting here letting it, well, we aren't on this radio program. We're fighting back, but everybody's just letting it happen. We are becoming a communistic country being governed by the uh, the the big uh, what, what, what what's the guy's name in New York there that uh, you can't have a, a 32 ounce and now you you're gonna we're, they're gonna try to get rid of uh, uh, some of the fats or, or something I I saw a, a little quick excerpt on that yeah. isn't it incredible that they know better and they know best and and we should be just the stupid people standing on the side and and uh, simply taking whatever they throw out. Yeah. Well, the void is that people don't interject their thoughts and feelings. Look at Congress, for example. We have this immigration policy to open the show, about 4.5 million people are being given amnesty and or green cards. Where is Congress? Where Where is Boehner? Everybody's quiet about this issue. The states have to pick up the uh, 
And they're suing the federal government. I think it's 17 states now have joined in to sue the government about uh, this immigration amnesty because they're going to have to pick up the bills for these people, especially for the kids for schools and health care and whatnot. So we have a we have an inept Congress. We still have an inept Congress until we see something after January. Perhaps they'll do something. So the void is there. People need to speak up like we do weekly and and, and get their ideas out there and make the Congress and the, the government know that we're not going to take this, allow me this bullshit anymore, and that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, you're right. It's exactly what I, what, uh, what I believe. Yeah. You, you have a complete motionless Congress, and everybody's just standing there waiting for the next guy. Had yeah. it not been for the states filing the suits, you know, yeah. no, there would be no action. Nothing at all. They were given a mandate, and they didn't run with it. And they were given a mandate not to work with Obama, but to contain him. And they're not containing him, and they're allowing him whatever he wants to do. This is just, Maybe this is a sign. <laughs> Something more is coming. Who knows? Yeah, his own people yeah, can't one, work with him. There's one thing that uh, Mr. Obama is not, and that is he's not a federalist. And, uh, uh-huh. and, and thankfully the Founding Fathers yeah. saw the wisdom of uh, maintaining states' rights and uh, state and uh, yeah. powers that re- be retained by the states. Yeah. Otherwise, you would get exactly what you're what you're starting to see here: takeover of the states yeah. by the federal government. Well, for the caller, uh, the, you may have read the Federalist Papers. There was a lot of infighting about how much power the states should get and should not get. And you know, uh, Jefferson was an anti-federalist in many senses of the word. So uh, there. They established what we have in the Constitution now, but there was not full agreement what's in there. And, you know, the, the Bill of Rights came later. It was a secondary thought. Well, it's supposed to be a system of checks and balances between yeah. the three branches of the government. Yeah. And our little uh, golfer-in-chief there thinks that he's king. He yeah. doesn't care what the legislative or the judicial branch does. Yeah. The judicial branch should have control over deciding the the way laws are applied. The legislative makes the laws. The executive enforces the laws. He thinks he can make up and enforce any law he wants. That's no good. It's not the way the founders wanted it. And they were smart. Executive order, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if there's nothing in this world that we should have learned by this uh, president is that, number one, you don't just say, well, we don't need to bet him. He's our first black president. He can relieve us of all of our uh, ill feelings of what our ancestors did, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like Michael Talley. It, I had nothing to do with it. Don't tell me about the crap that happened years ago. Yeah. And Listen, if it had not been for the Muslim blacks selling blacks to anybody that had a ship, there wouldn't be any, okay? So it started way back there. I don't, I, I, it's, it's something that's old and happened, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Hillary Clinton's uh, uh, words. What difference does it make? It's too long ago. <laughs> so true. You know what yeah. I like to do? Go back to 1619 when the first Dutch ship brought the slaves over and send it back. <laughs> that's where it started, right in Jamestown, Virginia. And then it yeah. spreads, and without all the problems that we have, there, there's problems out there for sure with races. 
Oh, I love this show. We're coming down to the end. Frank, thanks for joining us. I hope that uh, you can make time in your busy schedule every Thursday to come back. We've enjoyed you. And I've well, got thanks for having me. I've got two of the greatest uh, co-hosts in the world here, uh, thank goodness. And uh, we're going to do this again. You can see how wonderful this this show is. We just keep getting better and better, guys. I don't know. Absolutely. If there's anything that we want, we want to see each other again next Thursday. Dear President Obama, We, the people, have stated resolutely we reject your vision for our country. You claim you have not heard us. We, the people, have assembled across America resisting your efforts to subvert our Constitution and undermine our liberty. You claim you have not seen us. Since you have not acknowledged our message, let us here present it once more. For if, as President Wilson said, a leader's ear must ring with the voices of the people, the time has come. Our greatest treasure is freedom.